Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing our look at the book of Amos today, and we're in Amos chapters three through six. I'm fine, thanks, by the way. Seth, <laughs> how are you today? <laughs> I was just trying you out a longer spoke intro. So long without I was just trying acknowledging out, my presence. Trying like a longer <laughs> intro today to, to see how it felt, and clearly it felt terrible. It felt terrible for so me. So Seth. How are you today? Slided. Slided. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. But you're right. We're in Amos 3 to 6. Yeah. So you're, apart from your personal woes, yes. what uh, we got out of the woes of Amos. Yeah, we're uh, going to get into them. It, in oh, we second. are. Oh, okay. Yeah, at the very end, we got woes against Israel. More so woes. Wo- woes coming. The woes. Um, so tell us a little bit about like, Amos 3, 6, why should we care about it today? Like, kind of get our heads there. Yeah, in Amos 1 and 2, we kind of set up this God's judgment against the inhumanity of the nations surrounding Israel. Mm -hmm. And we noticed how uh, Amos is kind of like pinpointing all the nations around Israel and leaving Israel blank in the Mm -hmm. center of his prophetic crosshairs. And then most of chapter 2 is this long list of the ways that Israel has been unfaithful to God's covenant. Right. So Amos 3 through 6 picks up on that, basically uh, assumes Israel has broken God's covenant based on the everything it said in the past, yep. and then says that since God's covenant requires both love of God and justice towards neighbors, and since neither is happening, Israel is going to experience great consequences because they have failed the great calling God has called them to. Mm. So that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis where God called Israel to bless the nations. Mm -hmm. Um, And for us, that's important too because as Christians, we are part of that same Abrahamic dynasty dynasty, Mm -hmm. where we're called to bless the world as well. So like Israel, if we fail to love God and love neighbor, the great, that great calling also comes with great consequences for mm. failing to enact it. Okay. Our hypocrisy comes with great consequences. And that's what Amos lays out in the next six chapter, four chapters. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah. So two observations I, I have. Okay. One is we clearly need to talk about the covenant. Yep. Because uh, you mentioned it a bunch. Yep. And then two, this sounds like Spider-Man. Why? <laughs> with great... Power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yes, Uncle Ben. <laughs> Uncle Ben would be very proud. Or Mary Jane, depending. Yeah. Oh, not Mary Jane. Mary uh, Jane. <laughs> not Mary Jane. Uh, Aunt uh, May. Aunt May. She says it in the, new, right. in the new one. That's right. Um, yeah, so I think if you're going through Amos with us and you're like, okay, how do I get my head and what's about to happen here? You should just go back and read Deuteronomy 6, okay. which kind of acts as a summary of the covenant. And it says this, this is the Shema, this, mm. the, the big summary which of the covenant. Which is the Hebrew for here. Here, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give today are to be on your heart. Um, and he goes on to talk about 
obeying these commandments and the consequences for not doing them. And mm. Amos will pick up on some of these consequences in these next couple chapters okay. and reverse them because they have failed. Right. So, them. so, the, so God is saying, uh, love me with all your heart, mm-hmm. right? And obey my commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Israel's conditional involvement in this covenant. Yes. But that wasn't the basis of the covenant. No, God saved Israel without them obeying at all. Right. Um, and actually, if you we fast forward to the, it's going to be in our next podcast mm. in chapter eight. But he will, and Amos will talk about how God did not require sacrifices in the wilderness, right? And that the idea of sacrifices themselves were a pre-planned thing for when they inherited the promised mm-hmm. land. So they were saved, they were given a home, and only then were they asked to sacrifice their cattle. Right. So like there's this long lineage of grace, mercy, God's power towards his people, God's choosing of his people before he ever commands anything. Right. And the the command is obey. Yeah. Listen. So I think I just think that's the important thing you also pointed out there because we you talked about the responsibility really clearly. Like, mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, obey all the commandments. Mm-hmm. If you don't, there's all these punishments that will, will come, all these right. curses. But it's based on the idea that God chose Israel, that God saved Israel, that Israel belonged to him. Right. They were his special possession, his right. chosen nation. So every disobedience isn't just disobedience. Mm. It's like it's an affront to grace. It's an mm. affront to mercy. It's an affront to generosity. God has been exceedingly generous. He saved you when he didn't have to. He's mm. given you everything you needed when he you didn't deserve it. Kind of sa- like the parable of the unmerciful servant where it's like yes. this guy had a huge incalculable debt paid for by a king. This is a story Jesus tells. Mm -hmm. This king like forgives his debt. And then that servant who has had so much forgiven goes and threatens death upon a fellow servant Mm -hmm. for some petty debt. And the king is like, you haven't actually experienced my generosity, my grace. This is an affront to my grace because you are not acting in accordance with the grace that I've shown you. And so it's like, that's kind of what, it sounds like that's what like the covenantial obedience is is what you're Yeah, since Israel has been saved apart from what their works, Mm -hmm. they were enslaved in Egypt. Right. The fact that they're not listening to the God that saved him by his voice and by his word makes no sense. Mm. It makes it like um, really damaging and really powerfully hurtful. And I think hurtful is a good word because there's a lot of personal language in Amos. Yes. But this is what uh, Amos 3.1 says. Hear this word, hear, O Israel, <laughs> the, mm. the Lord that had spoken, that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Mm. Because they are his children, because they're his family, that's why he's punishing them. Right. I don't I don't go punish your children. No. When they when they disobey. Oh, yeah, right. I just hang out at your house and when your kids disobey, I wait for you to do something right. and I laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you're at my house, you don't punish Ezra, my son. Yeah, there is discipline belongs to only fathers. That's right. And, and so mothers. it's like in the same way that Israel is in Amos's prophetic crosshairs for their disobedience. They also need to see that they've been in God's gracious crosshairs. Mm-hmm. Like they have been the target of his mercy. Yes. And so it's no wonder now that they've been so disobedient that they are now the target of his punishment. Yes. Okay. So that's that makes sense. Those go together well. Those go together well. I get that. Okay. And so the first section kind of begins three one there's four speeches. Yeah, help me understand what's yeah, the So in Amos three to six, there's four speeches okay. that 
Amos made, probably made over the course of his ministry yeah. in um, Israel, and they're kind of compiled right here. They're all pretty highly structured, and like they're, they tie together really well, but they're f- four speeches about Israel's covenant and faithfulness, their lack of justice in the land. It's a rebuke against its leaders, and it just kind of goes throughout this whole section. So the first speech is chapter 3, 1 through 15, and it lines out the, their current abuse of the covenant. And the way that it happens is in verse 3. Do it in, um, The way that it happens is in verse 3. Is a weird that... <laughs> it begins this way. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to meet? No. Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? No. Does a young lion cry out from his den if he's taken nothing? No. <laughs> so there's all these rhetorical questions. And the assumed answer is, is all no. No. And the no's aren't in the text. I'm adding those. You're adding those, but the implied answer is no. And what this is doing is setting up Amos as the legitimate prophet of God. And Mm -hmm. he says this in verse eight, the lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? God has spoken against Israel's covenant breaking, their failure to love God and love their neighbor. Amos is compelled. He must prophesy. If God speaks, is there a prophet? Yes, is the implied answer. And then here's his prophecy. Proclaim to the strongholds in Ashdod, which is a Philistine town, Mm. to the strongholds in the land of Egypt, which enslaved them, and assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria. So Amos is inviting all of the enemy nations of Israel to surround Israel on its mountains and look down into Israel and see the great oppression in her midst. And he says this, they don't do what's, They don't know what's right. Mm. Israel doesn't know what's right. And the nations that you guys are so quick to call pagan, and which we know are pagan because they enslaved Israel, they <laughs> murdered them, they've been just indicted yeah. in the last chapter, will look into Israel and call what's evil. Israel is doing evil. They'll call, this, they'll call the spade a spade. Yes. Yeah. They will see more clearly as mm. evil nations what Israel's doing than Israel itself will do. Wow. And this is their God's first indictment against Israel. Okay. That's intense. Which is uh-huh. okay, so let's let's pause there yeah. and let's go back to something you said in the intro because I feel like it's coming around here ironically. And that is you said that um like God's plan for calling the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, you know, which started in Genesis twelve was that they would be a blessing to all nations. And he gave them his covenant law to help them know how to act just justly mm-hmm. and do righteousness. And to bless the world. And to, like so that the world would be blessed. Mm-hmm. Like in in like Israelites would be more cared for than any other people group on the face of the planet. People would gather around them, see how they look different, and be like, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so God's purposes and mission and justice would roll out across the world. Yeah. Right? That's right. But instead right. the opposite is happening. And the nations are gathering to see how Israel's different. Mm-hmm. Okay. So far, like that's the plan. That's right. what was supposed to happen. Mm. Like they're kind of being a light to the nations. They're drawing people as a spectacle to see what's going on inside Israel's borders. Wow. But instead of them seeing what's good about Israel, mm. they are judging them like this place is wicked. I had never put that together before. I forgot about that like image of the nations coming to see what's happening in Israel. Yeah, and that's crazy. how the blessing goes out. And here, the opposite happens. That's because nice. Israel's evil is so intense, the evil nations of the world will call it evil themselves. Mm. And this is the judgment for Israel's reversal of God's 
purpose for them to bless the world. Therefore, an adversary shall surround the land and bring down your defenses and your strongholds shall be plundered. Mm. As the shepherd rescues from the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be rescued with the corner of a couch and a part of the bed. What that means is these nations that are coming to look and they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be saved, be blessed by what's happening in Israel, by the justice and the love of God that's present, will now come and devour you right. in the same way that a shepherd might rescue a lamb but only come away with a leg. <laughs> these people are going to rip you out of uh, Israel, and all only that's going to be left is just scraps. tatters yeah. of you. Mm. It's a really intense judgment, and that's the first speech that um, Amos makes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Israel will escape by the skin of its teeth is the message of the first judgment. Okay. Yes. All right, and that and they have not only had the punishments of the covenant done against them, um, but the purpose of the covenant has has been like clearly thwarted. Yeah, uh, Israel is not being the people of God. They're not blessing the nations. In fact, the nations are condemning them. Yep. Okay, that's exactly right. I get it. So the next one. So really, there's not a lot of hope here until we <laughs> we we've learned this is the prophet. There's not a ton of hope until the very very end. Yeah. But we're just going to go through each of these. So the next uh, main speech starts in chapter four, verse one, and goes uh, for the whole chapter four okay. one through thirteen. Um, and it says, "Hear this word, you cows of Bashan." You who are on the mountains of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, and who say to your husband, bring that we may drink. So he's condemning cows now? He's condemning uh, (laughs) fat women. (laughs) So uh, he's condemning specifically the opulently rich women of this specific area within Israel called Bashan. Yeah, because the, the literal cattle in Bashan were like... Kobe beef, right? They, b- yeah, Bashan, Bashan was the one of the, the like the the center of prosperity, uh-huh. wealth, fertility in the land. So to be a cow from Bashan is to be like a cow from Kobe. It's we, like, we have friends in Kobe. We do have friends in Kobe. I, it's like, they listen. They, they do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Hi Kelsey. Hi Lacey. Hi Kelsey. <laughs> they're they're our missionary friends in Japan. They yeah. used to live here. So, yeah, so this eating, is their shout out. This is so Lacey. This Lacey, one's for this you. This for you. <laughs> we're not calling Lacey a cow. <laughs> she, we're gonna get a mean message from her. Uh, so yeah. So the idea is the women of Bashan look like the cows they slaughter mm-hmm. and sell at a high price. They're these opulent, overly fed, mm-hmm. rich cattle, yeah. and instead of trampling on grass. You know, they're, they're trampling on the poor. Crushing the needy. Yeah. They're demanding their husbands bring them more right. wine and so that they just get fatter. Because you can't you can't be that rich without having exploited tons of poor people to get there. Yeah. At least yeah. in this time period. Yeah. Probably in most time Probably periods. Also exactly <laughs> right now. Um then this is the judgment on Israel's opulently rich. He says, The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you and they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks and they'll lead you out through the breaches. So the fish hooks is actually a metaphor, is actually not a metaphor. It is literally what the Assyrian army did to its captives. They would take a giant fish hook, hook it underneath the jaws of their captors and then lead them back out into the Assyrian, into the Assyrian capital. So much so that the Assyrian like, um, king mm-hmm. would have fishnets in his temple because he was the great 
fisherman and he would oh. come and he would drag the people away like a great catch. Like Whoa. this was like a central metaphor for the Syrian, Assyrian army. So he's just referencing the Assyrian army here because this yes. is a brutality that the Assyrian army enacts on all the nations they overtake. And mm-hmm. so when he says you're going to be led away with, with hooks, you know what he's talking about. Yes. He's talking about the Assyrian king is coming and he's going to take you away. Yeah. That's ex- okay. I was I was going to ask you what that meant. That's that what is, it means. Uh, I was hoping for like a lighter metaphor. No. Nope. But it's just like a literal description. It's a literal that's, description. That's horrifying. Exactly. Okay. And then uh, Amos moves on and he says this in verse four, come to Bethel and transgress mm-hmm. to Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days, offer sacrifices and thanksgivings of that which is leaven and proclaim free will offerings, publish them so that the love for, for so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord your God. Yeah. This is a weird one, but what Amos is doing is he's sarcastically yeah. taking over how the priest would normally invite people to worship. And he's saying, normally the priest would say, come and offer your sacrifice to the Lord. Bring your first fruit, bring your tithes, and celebrate the God of Israel. But he instead, he replaces the proper place of worship with Bethel and Gilgal, mm. which is where Jeroboam set up two golden calves back in the book of Kings. I see. So Amos is inviting Israel to condemn itself it's like you love to make these sacrifices Mm. don't you israel so come do more of it if you're so committed to your own ways of doing things your own idolatry your own injustice keep doing it come to the white house and worship yes like it's like it's 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 telling them to confirm their own destruction to continue to do what they've said they'd love to do go to the mall and make sacrifices (laughs) it's really crazy yeah it's and i it's like the because we go to broadly non-denominational churches, right. and like there's like always a call to worship. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome here today. I just want to like it's time to get your hearts ready and prepare yourself to worship Baal. Like that's kind oh, of yeah, like, so gross. It's like that's what he's doing yeah. here, and he's inverting the worship of Israel and showing for, for yeah, what it or is. like you think of it like singing a hymn and replacing like oh like. How deep Bale's love for us. You're like, no, no you can't say you that. Can't you, can't, say that. you can't even say that. It's <laughs> yeah. so gross. Yes. It's like, yeah, that's what he's doing here. So that's what he's okay. doing. Okay, I get it. And then these are, it's kind of like hard to follow a little bit, even as I'm like walking through. And he jumps again and he talks about how Israel has not returned to the Lord by um, showing him all the punishments God has already given. Yeah, it's crazy. He outlines all of these different ways that God's trying to wake them up mm-hmm. and say like, guys, my hand has been against you. Like I would literally send rain on one small patch of, of land, but then drought everywhere around it. Like that's an unnatural weather pattern and it's been devastating to you. And you should know that yeah. that was me trying to wake you up. It says this, I gave you cleanness of teeth. Meaning, which I love that metaphor so where it's like you haven't been eating. So there's no there's yeah. no food in your teeth. I've given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, but you did not return to me. Mm-hmm. I withheld rain from you. Uh, I would send rain on one city, but not on another. And still you didn't return to me. Yep. Uh, I struck you with blight and mildew so that your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees will all be devoured. Yet you did not return to me. So I think what's happening here um, is two things. One, it goes back to the fatherhood me- metaphor. Mm. Only fathers discipline their children. Right. Only rightful fathers discipline their children. And if Israel is... God's child, mm. God has been trying to discipline them into correct obedience. Right. 
I and put so, you in timeout. Right. But you didn't listen to me. Right. You know, I, I grounded you for a month and yet you didn't listen to me. <laughs> and I think, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think this idea of returning to me mm. is not um, like so much of a pronouncement as like God's heart breaking. Right. You did not, re- you didn't come back to your dad. Right. It's, God's heart is breaking for us. People say, I, I put you in timeout. I disciplined you. I, I made rain not come for a while. Don't you remember that? I, the locusts came. Don't you remember that? I was that? trying to create a need. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to get you to say like, dad, I need you again. Yes. And Israel refuses to do that. Mm. And I kept thinking about the way, even like, as I look back on my own childhood, there was like a period in my teenage years where I would always be like, oh, my parents, they were just the worst. They disciplined me for no reason. They always did what was wrong. They never were there when I wanted them to be. And then I look back in my 30s, I'm like, actually, when they disciplined me here, mm. that actually has informed pretty dramatically who I am today in a really positive way. Yeah. So there's a sense in like, we understand this idea of like discipline being rejected in the moment and then look in the future, we can look back on and see for the redemptive, the redemptive purposes that it that had for us. Right. And I think the same thing is supposed to, is happening here. God's wants to be Israel's father. Right. And Israel continues to act like a rebellious son. Yep. That um, makes sense. And that goes on to the end of chapter five, uh, end of chapter four, and okay. kind of marks the end of that judgment. So we're halfway through the judgments here. Okay. I mean, and so here it's like, I mean, you, you think about like Jesus saying how I longed to, you know, take you under my wings, you know, but you wouldn't come, you know, oh Israel, Mm -hmm. you know, like Jesus says these kind of same things over Jerusalem as he's walking up to Jerusalem before he's crucified. And it's like, Jesus had the same brotherly woe, you know, like, and I, I forgot this mm. is, this is the Jesus turn here. Oh, okay. So over and over and over again, God says, I did this and you didn't repent. I did this and you didn't return to me. Mm. Son, I did this and you didn't come back. Yeah. Therefore, this is what I'll do to you, O Israel, verse 12. Uh, prepare to meet your God. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, <laughs> who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. So God's judgment was meant to bring about repentance and mm-hmm. returning and fatherly affection, but it hasn't worked. So instead, God will come himself mm. to bring Israel back to him. Right. Or to judge them right. powerfully and terrifyingly. Right. And it's like in this passage, Amos wants to see God's so you've rejected all this, so God's gonna come in his might and his terror. Right. And he's gonna wipe you off the map. But we know yeah. <laughs> Jesus repeats some of these same woes. Yes. And it's because, and he comes in mercy. Yeah. God reveals Himself to disobedient Israel, who rejects the prophets like mm. Jesus and rejects the prophets like Amos. And He does come in Himself in His morning darkness. He knows the thoughts of the Pharisees as He's like healing the paralytic man. And yet He, he comes, controls the winds. He whenever, controls the winds <laughs> whenever the sea is tumultuous. He makes the morning darkness in the day that He dies. He speaks to the mountain and says. You know, you could throw this mountain into the yes. sea. Yeah. He treads on the heights of the earth and makes it shake, but it's not for justice mm. and judgment. Mm. It's a day of mercy. Yeah. Which is, I was just like, man, it's so, I love that. Yeah. It's Turn, a, that twist in God's plan yes. to save Israel and his people. You, you would not come to me, so I came to you. But instead of coming to you terrifyingly, um, I come to you in mercy. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. 
It doesn't discount a future day of God's coming no. in his earth-shaking, morning-darkening power. Um, and that's a good news for a different reason. It is. Injustice will be done away with on that day. And we talked a lot about that. In the last podcast. In the last podcast. God hates injustice, and yeah. that day is coming. Yeah, it's also interesting, too, because like, return to me, you know, is the same theological idea category as repentance. Repent mm-hmm. To repent is to return, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, to turn around, to come back. Yeah. And it's like when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. When John the Baptist preparing the way for the Messiah is coming, his message is repent. Mm-hmm. In Acts 2, whenever people ask, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent. Like, like John the Baptist, Jesus, and Peter were all repeating the same mm. thing that Amos is begging for the people to do here, to return to the Lord. So like, what is what is what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to accept I'm using air quotes, accept yeah. Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? And it's like it means to return to him, to realize as a daughter, as a son, who your father is mm-hmm. and what your brother Jesus did to bring you back home. Mm-hmm. And just to come back home to God. Mm-hmm. Like and let whereas like these droughts and mildew and Egyptian armies and all these other things were signs yeah. to Israel to get them to come home. The ultimate sign for everyone today is Jesus dying on a cross. Mm-hmm. I've died on a cross for you, and yet you did not return to me? Yeah. That's going to be the biggest condemnation right. at the second coming of Jesus is, mm-hmm. I died for your sins, and you did not return to me? I came. I should have come in terror and enlightening yeah. and fire, and I didn't. I came in love and mercy and bore your judgment, and you did not return to me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, Christians, like mm-hmm. the story of that, that we have is different. It's, I came in mercy and love and bore your judgment, and you returned to yeah. me. And I would say it's also both. Mm. And this goes for non-Christians that might be listening too, that those disappointments in your life, those things that feel like God just hates you in your life, maybe that's actually not evidence that God hates you. That's actually evidence of God's discipline of you and he's calling you back like a rebellious teenager. And because of your spiritual immaturity, you can only see it like I saw my parents disciplined at 16 years old. You might need to exercise a little bit of prophetic uh, (laughs) hindsight and say like, perhaps God is using your circumstances to call you to himself and ultimately call you to himself in Jesus. Mm. In the same way that we saw here, there's a pattern of like mildew and locusts and all this stuff leading up to a theophany, leading up to God himself appearing. Mm-hmm. That same thing might be happening in your life. You might be seeing all these things as evidence God hates you, but on the cross, we see Jesus coming as God himself to save you. Yeah, That's the trajectory of the judgment and mercy of God, the days of the Lord, the book of Amos, how he would ask us to interpret our life based on our lack of love for God and our lack of justice for our neighbor. This is what Amos wants us to see in our own personal histories, let alone our national histories. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so you said there's four speeches overall? Yeah. Okay, so that's number two. That's number two. So let's take a break here and come back to the next two. All right, so uh, this is speech three in this yeah. collection of four speeches spanning from Amos 3 to Amos 6. Um, yep. the, f- the first one was covenantal unfaithfulness. Covenantal unfaithfulness. And God 
Uh, like using his elect prophet Amos to bring a condemnation against Israel that's in his crosshairs. Yes. Okay. And I specifically remember the nation. It's the inverse that's of right. who they were supposed to be in the world. The nations are coming, but to judge them, not to be blessed by Israel. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then four is a condemnation of Israel, like not caring for the poor mm-hmm. and uh, oppressing, oppressing like the uh, the marginalized and continuing down that track regardless of all the different signs God was giving them to wake yes. up and return to him. Yes, their okay. opulence also came with certain locust plagues and certain like mm-hmm. disciplinary moments that they just discounted right. um, throughout their history. Right. And God promises to come himself one day. Okay. So the next one is chapter 5, 1 to 17. And this goes kind of straight to the heart of the thing that we've been talking about through this whole series, justice and love of God. Love of God and love of neighbor. And it's defined by, so Israel's perverting love of God, perverting love of neighbor. And Amos calls out to Israel multiple times to seek God and live or to seek good and live. Seek God and live, seek me and live, seek good and live. And Amos is doing what he's been doing throughout the whole thing, even more explicitly. Come seek God alone, not the prophets of Baal. Come seek good alone and not the injustice mm. that you've executed in the land. Come back to loving God and justly loving your neighbor. This is who you are meant to be, Israel. This right. is what you were called to be, Israel. Yeah. I mean, and just, just to set it up even clearer for us before we jump into chapter five, it's like, this is clearly how Jesus saw the entire covenant, right? Like whenever he was asked, what's yes. the most important commandment? His answer was, love God and love neighbor. Yeah, he's pulling on the way that Amos speaks about it. All the prophets really do this synthetic work of distilling the law down to its like smallest components. And yeah. Jesus says, love God, love neighbor. Yes. Yeah. And those are correlated because like... Yeah, when um, you refuse to love God, mm-hmm. it necessarily leads to... Um, a lack of love for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. When you worship the gods of sex and power and war, you become more lusty, more mm-hmm. bloodthirsty, more power hungry. Mm-hmm. And by default, you start oppressing those less powerful, those less sexually desirable. Mm-hmm. You take advantage of the thing that you despise to become more like the thing that you idolize. And that's happening in Israel's history. You Another way to say it is like you could measure the idolatry of Israel by measuring its injustice to the poor and to the marginalized. And Amos is calling them to do both again, to love God rightly so that they could do good and do righteousness and do mercy and let righteousness flow like mm-hmm. a river, which is one of the most famous passages in Amos, yes. which is what we're coming to. Okay, so chapter uh-huh. five. Yes, chapter five. Um, verse five, seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, or do not enter Gilgal. Do not cross over to Beersheba. So again, Bethel and Gilgal mm-hmm. were the places where Jeroboam set up golden calves. Don't see, seek golden, golden calves like he did in Jeroboam's mm-hmm. time. Don't seek golden calves like he did on Mount Sinai. Seek me, and you will live. Seek the Lord and live, verse 6, unless he breaks out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice to wormwood or bitterness, Mm -hmm. and you who cast righteousness to the earth. So again, like in God's mind, in Amos' mind, loving God and seeking justice are almost synonyms synonyms for one another because to no longer love God 
is to necessarily no longer love your neighbor, which is what John picks up. He says the opposite. Like you prove that you do not love God if you fail to love your neighbor. Yes. You do not do justice. You clearly don't love God. Right. It's like, uh, are standing and walking the same thing? No. But do I have to stand (laughs) in order to walk? And while I'm walking, am I standing? Yes. Yes. They're correlated. Uh, yes. Yeah, they ne- they necessitate one another. Yeah. Okay. So he says, seek me and live, seek the Lord and live. And he goes on, and as, as we said at the beginning, he starts to detail the ways in which uh, Israel's covenant, curse, the covenant curses are about to come true. Okay. So verse 10, they hate him who reproves in the gate and they abhor him who speaks the truth. Amos is saying, you hate me because right, I'm yeah. speaking, speaking the right thing. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you will not dwell in them. You will plant pleasant vineyards, but you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions, how great are your sins, you who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside to the needy in the gate. Mm. This goes right back to the covenant God made in Deuteronomy 6 with Israel, who said, I will give you when you obey me, when you love me and love your neighbor, I will give you houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. When you go, I'll give you a land you did not not earn. Mm-hmm. And here he's saying, because you've neglected the needy, I will take away all those things that I promised you in the beginning. Yeah. It's interesting too. He's like, when when you have houses and vineyards and land that have been built on my grace and my free gift of them, mm-hmm. you'll have them forever. Yeah. When you build your homes and your vineyards and your land on the backs of the poor, you know, and on injustice, I'll take them from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, it's a good thing to like look around and be like, how have you, how have we right. <laughs> built our homes and our systems yeah. and our land? And it's like, has it been like. I know the, the, all the conversations about race and injustice in the States are so fraught and mm-hmm. so intense. I don't think it's an appropriate Christian response to not take them seriously. Right. Amos points out pretty point blankly, the measure of our injustice is the measure of our idolatry. Mm-hmm. And if the nations of the world, if the woke liberal left is calling out some sort of hypocrisy in us, God, Amos says like that's actually a way in which God might be calling us to account mm-hmm. and that we should be heeding it. Maybe all their criticisms aren't right. That's not the point. Right. The point is, what's our posture towards our own... Uh, being blamed for injustice. Right. I think the Christian posture, the godly gospel, the children of God's posture should always be towards seeking to undo injustice, to accept the criticism that we might be more idolatrous than we think, mm. and we need to undo those things because that is the way in which God has historically rebuked his people. Mm. He's used the nations around them he to condemn injustice as a way to condemn their idolatry. Yeah. And so I think that's pretty fair to say what's happening here in Amos. I think that might be even happening now yeah. in the States right now, probably across the world, wherever injustice is happening. And the call is to seek God and live. Mm. And then as verse 14 says, seek good and not evil. Or as verse 15 says, hate evil and love good. Establish justice in the gate. Mm. Man, so I mean, we talked about this a little bit last podcast, um, but it is amazing how 
um, tied, how interwoven, like the way we live our lives and the way we treat the least and the, you know, the, mm-hmm. even the, it, it'll come up, I think in the next podcast, but even like the way we do commerce, you know, like, do you, do you skimp, you know, like, uh, do you put your thumb on the scale if you're a butcher? Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, God cares if you put the thumb on the scale as yeah. a butcher. Yes. Like if somebody asks for a pound and you knowingly put a pound 15 and say, is that okay? Yeah. It's like, what? I mean, I guess so. But you, you know, it's like right. God cares about yeah. 0.15 mm-hmm. pounds of extra meat on a scale. Yeah. Like God cares about yeah, that. Yeah, because it reveals the state of your heart towards him. Right. God is a God of love and he's a God of justice. And he, as he said before, I will come to you in my holiness. God is a God of yeah. holiness, perfection. And he cares when we choose not to reflect those things in our dealing with other people mm-hmm. because it proves we actually don't love him. Yeah. Like that's what's happening every time that goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And this <laughs> reminds me of the story of the Garden of Eden. I'm like seeing it here in the text where um, Adam and Eve were given a land that they did not earn, right? Yeah. God just made the garden mm-hmm. and put them in it. Vineyards they did not plant, right? Right. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. the seed bearing fruit was made before man, yeah. you know? And he gives them this place so it was it was a land built on grace, mm-hmm. you know? And yet they did not seek good. They mm-hmm. sought evil. Mm-hmm. Like that the yeah, the yeah, tree yeah. of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. They did not love uh good, they loved evil. Like they were doing yeah. this command wrong. Yep. And so what happened? The vineyards that they did not plant and the houses that they did not build, the land. They were kept. They were they exiled. Were, they were exiled. They were, yeah. It was taken from them. Mm-hmm. Like he's saying like what happened in the Garden of Eden is, hap- be, is happening again because mm-hmm. you are coming to the tree of good and evil and you're choosing evil instead of good mm-hmm. again. Yep. This is the fall again. Like it just yeah. keeps happening. Yeah. That's if you're new to our podcast, that idea that the Garden of Eden just repeats itself throughout human history, throughout Israel's history, mm-hmm. is so vital. And I, I hadn't seen it here until mm-hmm. you mentioned it, but you're totally right. Here, taking the fruit has like metastasized into corrupt systems of power where the women of Bashan are treading on the poor, the poor and the needy and fathers and sons are selling their do- their daughters and mm-hmm. sisters for a pair of sandals. Like, yep. It's it's gone crazy, right? And it's like I think but, a lot of times, and I'm, I will get back to the main point you were making yeah. here. Uh, a lot of times, people go like, "What was the big deal with Eve's sin? Right. She just took a fruit, mm-hmm. like she just broke a rule. Don't walk on the grass, and she walked on the grass. It's got that nitpicky, right? It's like no, because it's the same sin that these cows of Bashan have mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. It's that that action of her loving evil more than good, choosing to provide for herself instead of trusting in God's provision, however you want to word what happened at the tree, it revealed that she loved something more than God. It was a rejection of God's grace in relationship too. And so it's like her taking of the fruit was an idolatry that proved that she didn't actually love God the way that God made her to love him. Yeah, and it's like that's the that's the same sin that keeps mm-hmm. happening. Which is why in the Ten Commandments, the first commandments are about not worshiping other gods, mm-hmm. because it goes back to the very first sin in the garden, and the sin that will define Israel throughout its history and our own personal histories is our choosing normally to place ourselves, make ourselves God, mm-hmm. and 
our version of right and wrong right. over what God, and it's a rejection of his grace. Yes. And so right. when God is saying to love good and hate evil, is that also not only a call back to the, the, the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but that's also a call back to the Torah and his commands? Because uh, I know in like rabbinic tradition, the like rabbis would come to refer to the Torah as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, hmm. because it was where you went to yeah. learn about yeah, good yeah. and evil. Yeah. And so he's like, if this is a covenant breaking document and Amos is coming against the people of Israel for breaking the covenant of God and saying the punishments of the covenant are coming to you because you've broken the covenant. He's yes. saying, so let's, let's just take a break. Here's what you need to do. Love the law again. Yeah. Like love the good things that God has commanded and hate the things that God has said you need to hate. Like yeah. that is a, a, one way I love talking about mora the morality of God is to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Yeah. You know, it's That's like, good. what does God love? God loves when justice is done, mm -hmm. like in the poor taken care of. What does God hate? When the poor are taken advantage of. And so it's like yeah. the call of Amos here is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting when he says, seek the Lord mm. um, and not Gilgal or seek the Lord and live. It's like, so that lest he break out in fire against the houses of Joseph. Right. So it's like you're preventing God from doing something. Mm. But when it says seek good and not evil, so that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts will be with you. As you have said, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gates. And it may be that the Lord, the God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Mm. So I think it's also fascinating in all this judgment all this like doom that we're talking about, God still holds out for the possibility of covenant faithfulness, of loving justice again and loving him again to such an extent that he will undo mm. the devastation that is coming against Israel. Yeah. Um, and that ultimately happens yes. in, in Jesus. Jesus. Jesus comes, he seeks good, not evil. He hates evil. He loves good. He establishes justice on the cross outside the city gate of Jerusalem. Mm. And the Lord, the God of hosts, is gracious to the remnant of his people. Um, I think Israel hoped that one day they could be these people. Yes. They themselves could be these people. But it would take a representative Israelite, yeah. Jesus, to do this. But in Jesus, God establishes justice once again. Mm. He undoes the injustice of previous generations of Israelites, and he brings a new kingdom, mm -hmm. a kingdom that doesn't oppress the poor. He preaches good news to the poor. He sets liberty to those that have been carried off by fish hooks into the mouth of Assyria. Mm. Like he does what Israel actually undoes what happened to Israel. Yeah. Um, mm. And there's good news there, not only for historic Israel, right? Yeah. That's good news. Yes. As a historic Israelite, oh, Jesus is undoing <laughs> the fish hooks in my mouth that led me to Assyria. Right. Great. That's very good. Finally, good news. Um, yeah. But it's also, you were saying, but it's also good news for us, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Those yeah. of us who are complicit in these kinds of systems today, is that where you're... I think that's part of yeah. it. It's like we have our own systems of injustice that by Jesus, the representative human... Yeah. He undoes the judgment that our injustice deserves, yeah. the justice our injustice deserves. Yeah, I can feel that. Like That hits close to home, I think, because it's like, as an, as an Israelite who, maybe you're an Israelite who went out to hear John the Baptist preach, you know, mm -hmm. before Jesus' uh, ministry began. And it's like, you knew something was wrong. You were looking for the Messiah. You knew that the system of Israel was broken. 
and that there was just systemic evil and sin. And you were like, I, I need help. I, but I, I can't fix all this broken system, you know? Yeah. And so I'm going to go out to the wilderness. I'm going to hear this guy, John, preach. He sounds a lot like Amos. I like, my, I like Amos because, yeah. you know, he's he, on my side. He's on my side. I, I'm, he, he had my angst. And it's like you hear him and he introduces this Jesus, you know, uh, who then as a representative brings the whole Israelite system out of its sin and provides a way out. I'm like, man, that hits close to home for me because I feel that way in America so often, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure this is true of so many different countries. Like every nation's corrupt, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like there, there are things about being an American that make me complicit in evils across the world, right? Like, like my taxes go into a defense budget that buys nuclear weapons. Yeah. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I don't get to tell the government where to put my money. Right. And yet they're going to use it to kill people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, yeah. God help me. Right. Like I need to represent, cause I can't fix that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, there's ways that like, uh, we need, we need that. Yeah. We, we need like something outside of us to clean us of the things we can't clean up ourselves. Right. That, that we're just, we're a part of a system that we can't actually take ourselves out of. We're more involved in that system. We talked about that in Esther mm-hmm. about like how we're just, are we citizens of the empire or citizens of God's kingdom? And what does it mean to be both at the same time? Mm-hmm. And it's actually almost impossible to pull yourself out of all the sinful systems within a world. We yeah. need an objective, good Israelite yeah. to take away the justice America will be held accountable for one day soon. Right. So in response to knowing that, response to knowing that Jesus has paid for the justice mm-hmm. that for our injustice uh, is to let justice roll. Right. What can, what can we do now as citizens of both the kingdom and the empire yeah. is we can do what chapter 5 verse 24 says, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? But <laughs> let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's what we can do right now. Yeah. Is we can be a part of justice. We can be a part of mm-hmm. poverty relief. Yes. We can be a part of calling out corrupt systems. We can begin to love our neighbors, not just physically next to us, mm-hmm. but the neighbors that we are part of as members of a society. Like right. we can do justice in our land. We can love God and love neighbors. And that's what we should do. Yeah. That's what we can do. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and and it's like, okay, this is an interesting thing then mm-hmm. for spoken gospel as a, as like a theological stance to be mm-hmm. talking about because it's like, okay, so what can we do? Well, do justice now. And it's mm-hmm. like, I thought spoken gospel was all about the justice that Jesus achieved on the cross, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, right. Yes. But, right. But yeah. it's, what, we've yeah. been, what we've been saying this whole time is the more we love the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross and showed us grace to undeserving sinners like us, the more that will evidence itself out in our lives in the way we love others yeah. around us. And like, this is what James picks up on, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever he yes. talks yes, about the exactly famous, right. the famous dichotomy between lo- uh, faith and works Yeah, where it's like, you faith know, without so, works is dead. Yeah, faith without works is dead. And so it's like, let's talk about that for a second mm-hmm. because it seems like a really good distillation of what Amos is aiming at here mm-hmm. is that 
you guys you guys keep doing your your sacrifices you love to bring your sacrifices like i mean yeah. think about like what comes right before the the justice thing right this is the the final and fourth speech by the way we've, oh it we've, is we've entered into it oh okay yes, but so yes. we've, we've stumbled into it here yeah and here's here's how it starts verse 21 of chapter 5 um i hate I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Like... Hmm. This is a classic text for like... But let justice roll. Think yeah, about that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. False worship, but let justice roll. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's where the but let, ju- let justice roll thing. And so it's like, this is... James picks up on this. is like, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're just going to, you know, going to church mm-hmm. and you're going to your solemn assemblies and you're singing your songs and, you know, and later he'll say like, if you're like David, improvising on your harp, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and yet, you aren't letting justice roll out in your life. That faith is dead. It's pointless and God doesn't accept it. Yeah. And like, it's like a really intense word. Mm-hmm. Is that like a faith that doesn't evidence itself out in your life in justice toward the poor is a dead pointless faith that God doesn't accept. Yeah. The point. Yes, that's exactly right. The point has never been um, to offer the right sacrifices alone. Right. Yeah. The point has never been to go to the worship service and be a good Christian on Sunday alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the point has always been to listen to the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord throughout the book of Amos is calling us to care for the poor, to care for the marginalized, and to let justice roll. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and, and so like, and, and the point has always been that we would be as those who have been grafted into the family of Abraham, that we would be a blessing to all nations. Yes. That the nations would no longer come around the church and look inside of her, you know, mm-hmm. and say, oh, that's wicked. Right. And they're calling out our own wickedness. Mm-hmm. But instead they would look at us and be like, why are these people so good? Yeah. How is this so good? I want to be a part of that. Like that's the original calling mm-hmm. that was given to Adam and Eve that was revivified in Abraham mm-hmm. and that was instantiated in the law and then was being like the Israel is being held accountable for here in Amos. Yeah. Right. And now it's passed on to us is that we are to be a light to the nations, mm-hmm. salt and light. You yeah. know, Jesus picks up on that in his sermon on the Mount. And it's like, that is the kind of living faith that we're invited into as people who believe in Jesus and are a part of his kingdom that we would be the kind of people that the nations would gather around and look inside of and say, yeah. Man, that's they're they're good. Yeah. Like, why are they so good? It's like annoying how good they are. Yeah. And it convicts the world by the way we live our lives. Yeah. The whichever side of the aisle you're on, either the woke liberal media mm-hmm. should be able to look into a quote unquote conservative church and see the goodness of God in it, mm-hmm. or the other way around, like the the the. the <laughs> I'm trying to think of an adjective. The the conservative right media right media should be able to look into churches that they would consider more liberal and say the goodness of God is being done here. Right. And the call isn't to be conservative or liberal. No. The call is to love God, love neighbors, take accusations of injustice seriously as evidence of yeah. idolatry, seek good, 
love God, do justice, and let it roll through our churches. Yes. That's, that's Amos's call to us today. Yeah. I um, mean, did you know that mm. Stephen, uh, in the book of Acts, yes. before he's martyred, quotes this passage? Oh, the very next, did, uh, this is in verse 25 and 27, he quotes in his speech to the Pharisees right before they kill him. And that's interesting because Stephen is walking through the exact same biblical thread mm-hmm. that I've been pulling out here yes. about like the people of God mm-hmm. and he goes through all these different major ancestors and the giving of the law and all that stuff. And then... He, he quotes this verse. He says, did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness? Uh, o house of Israel, you shall take up Succoth, your king, and Kenyon, your star god, and your images that you made for yourself, and I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. Except he says, I think, uh, some, uh, Rome or something. He replaces Damascus. I forget oh, what it is. Okay. I'd have to look it up. Uh, and says, Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. So he quotes this passage mm. at, the, at the end of all this, highlighting both the Pharisees calling the Pharisees worship of God false yeah. and what they're doing true and justice, which is something that Jesus points out as well, which would make sense why they stoned him for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so then how does Jesus then let justice roll like an ever-flowing stream? You know, how does Jesus come as the, the different sacrifice this, you know that that God accepts because God is like I, I will not accept your your sacrifices anymore, and yet Jesus comes as the sacrificial lamb that God does accept, mm-hmm. and at the same time, not only is he the acceptable religious faith offering to the Lord, he's also at the same time the work side of things, letting justice roll out. I'm like I, yes. I feel like yes, Jesus is doing this. He is offering the unhypocritical sacrifice while at the same time or because at the same time he's letting justice roll out like an ever-flowing stream yeah there's something we haven't talked about a ton here but about the day of the lord yes which is present here in the book of amos we mm. talked about a lot in the book of joel yeah but the the day of the lord is this day of both justice and mercy it's both a day god comes to judge sin but offer mercy towards sinners mm. and a, a particularly a restoration of the way that things are supposed to be. Um, And what's surprising about when Jesus does come, when God, after all this discipline, finally shows up on the scene, that it's not one or the other, Mm -hmm. but it's both. Right. The justice our injustice deserves is meted out on a representative Israelite. Um, But at the same time, God also begins to let justice roll out like waters, not only because of the announcement of his kingdom, which mm. is good news to the poor, but yes. also his empowering by the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is what actually enables us to obey the law that Israel never was able to. Mm-hmm. What's the hope of prophets that are not Amos is that God would write his law on our hearts, that we would finally love God and love our neighbor, not because the book told us to, right. but because it's in us and we understand it as the way to live our lives. Yeah. The Holy it's, Spirit is yeah. actually the end point of the book of Amos. Right, totally. It's it's interesting why the, why Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a stream of water in you. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> like this, he says the Holy Spirit will be like a stream of water in you. Flowing out of us. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> that's, wow. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I was also thinking like the, another way Jesus like lets justice roll and brings this day of the Lord I hadn't thought about it until you said, where the day of the Lord, yes, like 
judges injustice, but it also, like you said, you think you said like resets things, like makes things yeah restores right, things restores back things to, back yeah. to the way they're supposed to be, and that made me think of like the year of jubilee, right, mm-hmm. and like the 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 seven times seven Sabbath rest that. Yeah like slaves were freed and debts were were right. were, were canceled right. and everything like that and it's like Jesus does that like he lets justice roll by mm-hmm. taking those of us who are spiritually poor right mm-hmm. oppressed by our enemy satan like i don't want to over spiritualize the book of amos cuz it's so boots on the ground yeah but also like i was very spiritually impoverished yeah. and i did have a slave master named satan who was oppressing me with sin and death and Jesus freed me from that. And he took a slave and made him a king, mm-hmm. a prince. Yeah. Like he took somebody who was indebted uh, to the wages of sin, destined to death, and yeah. gave me eternal life. Mm-hmm. Like the year of Jubilee comes in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and he lets justice roll to the poor, to the yeah. needy, me, you. Yeah. Like on his cross, all. Without us doing anything, justice rolls into us. And now and, we've been given vineyards we did not plant, mm-hmm. and the house we did not build, and, and the new heavens and the new earth. spirit we did not earn to go and do for others what Christ has done for us. Yes. Um, it also brings us back to the Garden of Eden, mm. right? Yeah. We get to be at home with God again and to consistently choose, no longer choose the, tr- the wrong tree. Right. We always choose... We should always choose more consistently over time. Right. The Torah. Right. God's law is written yeah. on our heart. We can now choose yes. the right tree. Yes. But then a time will come when Jesus returns in his second coming where we will only choose the right. That's and right. And we will only love what God loves and we will only hate what God hates. And we will be constrained to, to and freed to not ever do the other, uh, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Th- that kind of ends in some ways this section. Okay. So s- this last section starts in chapter 518 with the word woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Woe is an escalation. There's all mm. this condemnation already happening. And then the word woe is introduced in chapter 518. And it kind of like escalates the judgment that's already yeah, happening. Yeah, I was reading some commentator. I don't think it was even about uh, Amos, but he said, anytime you see the word woe, it should make you go, Whoa, because it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I was like, that's cheesy, it's but I so love it. Cheesy. <laughs> but it happens throughout here. So once in 518, again in 61, uh, and then uh, that's the only two times. I thought it happened one more time. But yeah, 518 and 61. It's an escalation from his previous speeches and it kind of marks the end of his messages of doom towards Israel at right. that time. So you can keep going. There's more metaphors that we could unpack, but really I think we've done the work necessary to help you read it and yeah. help you see Jesus in it as well. And I guess that to to see the to like land the plane here in chapter six, let's bring it back full circle here to the like the historical implications of these woes. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of we we really only talked about it with the the fish hooks of Assyria. Where yeah. it's like Amos is prophesying that an Assyrian army is coming to destroy Israel and take them away as captives and exiles. And like, he says like, I'm going to destroy your homes. I'm going to destroy mm-hmm. your fancy living. I'm going to take you away. Yep. Like and your land is going to be left desolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so that is the warning that's happening here. Yeah. Um, and so, which is why it's good news when Jesus comes and like, it's the story that Stephen told yeah. when he was quoting is that you went into way and you went away into exile, you know, and like now, right now God's, no, you're being brought back. And now Jesus has brought us back from exile. 
I think there's also good news in prophecy as warning too. Mm. I think we can look forward and say like, oh, and look, Jesus brings us back from exile. He exhausts the justice he said would come to Israel. Right. But there's also just good news in fatherly warning, mm. which is exactly what the book of Amos is. It's like, this will happen, Israel. Return to your father. Children, don't you know I've been disciplining you through this time? Return to me. God is will not let this happen if you return. Think about Nineveh, this like pagan city yes. that if they repent, God doesn't bring the fire. Yeah. Like there is a there is good news in fatherly warning. And prophetic. God sends prophets to warn people. Like uh, chapter three, verse seven. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. Mm-hmm. God's not just gonna out of the blue come and bring judgment on the earth and like judge Israel. Mm -hmm. He painstakingly at great cost, like sends prophet after prophet, after prophet, after warning, after warning, after warning, pleading with his people to return to him. Right. And it's like, what, like that is so kind. So it's also why it's significant that Jesus sends his son as a prophet, because he is a son like us. He's like, I know my father. I know the father. Mm -hmm. Like I know what our, our dad is like. Mm. He is warning us. I know what's coming. Brothers, sisters, don't do this. Right. Come to me soon. Return. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. So it's like there is like good news in Jesus's warnings too. I think we've harped on Jesus's mercy, his justice, the mm-hmm. exhaustion of God's anger on the cross yeah. or God's like injustice on the cross. Um, but there's also just good news in the fact that Jesus warned us right. like Amos Jesus did. pronounced woes. Yes. And there's good news in that, that he wasn't just bringing, like talking about an inevitable demise, you know, to those um, against whom his woes were being pronounced. He was also giving them a warning yes. that would lead them to repent. Yes. So he's, he's like, I pronounced woes among you and yet you did not return to me. <laughs> more so than Amos. And Amos in the next chapter will kind of highlight his role. I wasn't like a prophet by trade. God called me when I was a fig farmer. I was like, and I'm speaking to you words of truth because this is my lineage, right? right? Jesus is in a better position to communicate God's fatherly warnings to his people because of his relationship to God as a son. Yes. So like, I think we can see good news in Jesus as a, as a warner, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as, as someone who is a harbinger of doom, right. as a prophet of doom, but not because God's angry, not because God's capricious, because he's a father that loves his children and he's warning them of the inevitable consequences of failing to love him and to love his law. Yeah. I mean, and like this gets picked up um, in the New Testament that it's like, why hasn't the day of the Lord come yet? Hmm. Like, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? It's because God desires everyone to come to repentance. Yeah. Like, like the New Testament says that, like the reason why the days are long is because the the harvest is still ripe. Like God yeah. wants more people to come in. He wants more people like Seth and me and everyone listening to be warners. It's like go out and tell the world like the day of the Lord is coming and woe to you if Jesus has been crucified and you have not returned to him. Yeah. You know, like, and like we, when we warn other people, mm-hmm. you know, that a day of judgment is coming, and like that we need to repent when we warn uh, the systems around us that they're acting unjust. We're not acting as Debbie Downers. Yeah. We're we acting yeah as angry vigilantes. No, we are bringing hope. Yes. That there is there like that there is a 
like the time is now to return to the Lord. Yeah. Like and set things right and yeah. like be a part of his kingdom. Yes. Man. And it's we can call people to God's kingdom in a more powerful way than Amos could because of what Jesus has accomplished, mm-hmm. because of the Holy Spirit. There's a sense that God's kingdom and God's nation and his justice is more evident now in the church than it ever was in Israel, especially during Amos's mm-hmm. period. So like we can invite them into something more concrete than Amos could. That's right. He uh, really only knew that Assyria was coming. Right. Not very concrete. No, but... Or, or it was very concrete. Not very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Man, amazing. Well, that's uh, Amos 3 to 6. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll wrap up with 7 to 9. That's right. Uh, and we'll finish Amos next week, God yeah. willing. And we'll talk about the messianic... The book of Amos ends with pro- promises of, this, of a son of David yes. coming. So. And mountains dripping with wine. Which is what we all want. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.